You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, we are off and running on this Thursday. September 3rd, right? Yes. Another day where I know the date. I'm amazing. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York jam-packed Thursday edition. So, of course, let's get right into it. You know the deal. We run through it all. Over the next 60 minutes, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question going up shortly. Moment of inspiration, 5.30-ish, I would say. And we got to kind of update the Regal Tumble field because I started to do some calculations yesterday. And I know, I floated it out there. Every reasonable suggestion would be included. But what you realize is that at some point, right, we can't do the tournament or whatever you want to call it, the, the, the competition, over a span of six months, right? So we, got, we might have to whittle down the field some, especially considering that some excellent nominees have not been nominated as of yet. But we'll do all of that over the next 60 minutes and obviously want to hear from you, 1-800-919-ESPN. But obviously the headline of today came last night with the news of the death of Tom Seaver at the age of 75. Uh, Mets, the nickname, the franchise, right? Probably no person in Mets franchise history was more responsible for making Met fans Met fans than Tom Seaver. And uh, you have to be of a certain age, right? I got to be honest, uh, I did not really see Tom Seaver at his peak with the Mets. I saw the returns. I saw him with the Reds, kind of vaguely remember that. So I'm not even old enough. But, you know, it's like the old line, you never forget your first love. And for Met fans old enough, he was clearly that at a time where, you know, the team lost all the time. He was the first ray of hope. And, you know, you have to be a homegrown guy to be that first love generally. And you have to be an excellent player to be that first love. But I don't really, uh, I don't have an experience with this. But I would think that as a former expansion team, that 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 focus, that uh, magical connection that fans would have with a player when you're the first guy, you're great, you're homegrown, and you are eventually the key cog in a championship. It's got to be even higher than that. Of course, all the stats, you know. Rookie of the Year, three Cy Youngs. I think he finished second four or five times, won 20 games five times, the 300 wins. You don't need to have seen him pitch to see his greatness because his greatness is in black and white and baseball reference and every other you know stat category you can look at. But he was bigger than that, an iconic New York player. As I said, the franchise. You can't have a much uh, better nickname than that. But um, it just shows you that bad Mets ownership – for those not old enough to remember, did not start with the Wilpons. <laughs> Hard to believe, but uh, Donald M. Grant back in the day trading away Tom Seaver. Uh, and, of course, uh, some Met fans still have not gotten over that. And I think, what, what was that, 77? So they trade him away, and that would really – that's really when I started following baseball, late 70s, early 80s. And my dad, as I think I've mentioned this before, my dad was a Met and Jet fan, so I became a Yankee and Dolphin fan. For me, batting 500, picked one of them right. But uh, the Mets trade away Tom Seaver, and then that really goes on to uh, you know set the franchise back 
and really kind of brought about the, the losing Met ways once again where they'd go on and lose 90 games basically every single year for seven years. The only year they didn't lose 90 games was 81, and the only reason they didn't lose 90 games that year was because there was a strike. So he had that magical connection on the mound, someone who had a magical connection with fans. Uh, As I said, I'm not old enough to have uh, seen him in his first go-round as a Met. I kind of remember him with the Reds. i got to be honest, the the greatest connection I have with Tom Seaver – was when he was part of the Channel 11 team with Rizzuto and Bobby Mercer. And, I mean, they seemed like they always had the greatest time on the year. We're always laughing. So, uh, Tom Seaver, condolences to his family, condolences to the fans that um, still have that connection with an all-time great Hall of Fame player. And if you want to get on that, certainly feel free, 1-800-919-ESPN. But in terms of the baseball story yesterday, Mets finally got a win. And it was against the Orioles, so uh, good for them. Finally snapped their losing skid. And the Yankees, they go out and uh, lose to the Rays again. So at least the good news for the Yankees is they are now done with the Rays. 2-8 and eight against the Rays this year, and we will see if they get to see them again in the playoffs. But before we get to the game, yesterday the suspensions got handed down for the big brouhaha between the uh, Yankees and Rays on Tuesday night. And Araldis Chapman suspended for three games. Aaron Boone suspended for one game. And Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, suspended for one game. So you could come up, I could concoct a poll question over which one of those suspensions makes the least sense. And all three would, I don't know that uh, it would be, you know, 33, 33, 33, but it would be pretty close. Because first off, you have Chapman, where if you're baseball, you're saying, we know without a shadow of a doubt, you intentionally threw at the race. Which, I, if you ask me, push comes to shove, do I believe that Araldus Chapman was coming up and in, intentionally throwing at a guy's head, which you should never do intentionally? Absolutely. But I don't know it for 100%. Again, it was a close game against a team that has owned you. Uh, but okay, I guess if I had to pick one of the suspensions that made the most sense, that would probably be it. Although... Considering that Joe Kelly got eight games, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason to it at all. But again, it's Major League Baseball. But then Aaron Boone gets a a suspension for one game. Why exactly? Because he's the manager. So they are of the belief. Now, I mean, they obviously don't have any proof that for sure that Araldis Chapman. But then you would have to say, well, Aaron Boone must have told Araldus Chapman to throw at someone's head. I mean, what other reason would there be for a one-game suspension? Especially considering, with the Rays, this happens all the time. Where are those suspensions? They have continued. I mean, this is their thing. We pointed it out yesterday. We ran through all the different examples of it yesterday. Not just with the Yankees. They did it with the Red Sox a couple of years ago, too. This is their thing. That's why Kevin Cash, for all of his outrage after the game on Tuesday night, he embarrassed himself. 
Maybe not as much as Major League Baseball did with these suspensions, but he embarrassed himself. So I would say my vote for the most outrageous, the most ridiculous part of the, the, the suspensions handed down would be for Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash and the Rays, this is, the Yankees stole their move. That's what this is about. So for Kevin Cash to get one game when even in the game yesterday, they have guys throwing up, not yesterday, uh, Tuesday, have guys throwing up and in is outrageous. And he gets one game after, like, usually when these type of things happen, players, managers will always say, well, you know what, you don't know. Oh, it just got away from me. They never come out and blatantly say, I did that intentionally. I think that's why um, Joe Kelly got as many games as he did because he, he kind of tipped his hand that it was intentional when he, he made the little boo-boo face when he was walking off the mound. Although I, I'm pretty sure it was an off-speed pitch that he threw to, um, to Carlos Correa. I might be wrong on that. My mind is mush sometimes this time of the morning, which is unfortunate because this is the time I'm working. But Kevin Cash came into the press conference on Tuesday night. And in no uncertain terms says, yeah, we did it before, and I will have my team do it again. And for that, he got the exact same suspension as Aaron Boone. Makes ab- absolutely no sense. From start to finish, makes absolutely no sense. Unbelievable. But, I get, look, it's not really unbelievable because it's baseball, but it is unbelievable. If you had to explain it to someone who is just an outside observer, you would uh, say they, they would not get it either. So how do the Yankees respond last night? Well, they go, speaking of embarrassing themselves, they go out against the Rays and embarrass themselves. Jordan Montgomery can't get out of the, the first inning. Brasso with the best um, revenge you can get with a couple of home runs. And the Yankees bats, no life whatsoever. I get that Aaron Boone is Mr. Bring Everybody Together, Mr. Kumbaya moment. You don't want to yell. You don't want to scream. You want to be able to touch in everybody's feelings and uh, make sure you get the best out of everybody. And let's all take a nice reasoned approach. No need to get too worked up. It's all about connection. It's all about friendship. It's all about me caring about your feelings. Never criticize. Never pick on. Could use a little fire. Just going to say, could use a li- just a little, a smidge, a little bit of fire. And don't get it twisted because I'm sure that now that the Yankees are done with the Rays, now that the Yankees are not going to, uh, almost certainly not going to win the American League East this year, don't get it twisted. The Yankees, I saw this, uh, this headline from the Post, the Yankees are running out of time to show they're a title-worthy team. No, they're not. The American League playoffs are set. We know exactly the teams that are going to the playoffs in the American League at this moment. What is it? September 3rd? On September 3rd, whether you got 20 games to go, whether you got 25 games to go, the American League teams are set. What rankings they are, that's still a little bit to be determined. And no questions asked, 100%, the Yankees are going to be one of the eight teams. And when they get to be one of the eight teams in the American League playoffs, that is when they will be judged. That is when they will be judged. It doesn't matter. The Yankees never 
I mean, you'll get judged in the moment, but if it turns bad later, it will always be, well, you know what? They had a great regular season, but they're not a playoff team. So all that matters is how they perform in the playoffs. That is when they will be judged. To be fair, they have to play a whole lot better than they are right now. They got to get a whole lot healthier. They got to stay a whole lot healthier, which might be the hardest task of all of the three. But no, the Yankees are not running out of time to show they're a title-worthy team because the only time they can do that is in the playoffs. And the playoffs have not begun as of yet. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, we'll get uh, some of your phone calls if you want to talk about uh, Tom Seaver, if you're a Met fan, and um, the news yesterday about Tom Seaver passing away at the age of 75. The Yankees' struggles against the Rays. The Yankees' struggles Overall, the NBA playoffs had a couple of big games last night, a game seven and a a big game two. And let me be the first, if you listen to this program, if you listened yesterday, let me be the first to inform you. I think the Bucs are in trouble. (laughs) I'm the first one, right? I'm the first one on that bandwagon. Am I driving the bandwagon? Actually, that bandwagon has already been uh, pretty fulled up and uh, it's not losing any members. Not after last night. Anyone else find it strange that the home plate ump last night in the Yankee game could spot a drone flying, I don't know, what, 500 feet above the field at Yankee Stadium, but can't call balls and strikes? Can't, I mean, things that are coming right at him, he's, he's staring at, and is and his job, staring at the ball, woo, strike, but it was, in, but it was inside. No. Oh, wait a second. Time. I see a tiny little drone flying all the way up in the sky. Everybody get off the field immediately. They took everybody off the field like it was. I thought I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, credit to the Yes camera crew. I mean, they they found it fairly quickly, which I got to be honest. If I were at the game, would you ever have noticed that? Like way up in the sky? And maybe that's why he can't call balls and strikes. He's too busy looking at the sky for drones. Thought it was very, very odd. Very, very odd. Hey, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Tomorrow, Disney's new movie, Mulan. Experience the legend of Mulan as she fights to defend her family and the kingdom. Available to Disney Plus subscribers who unlock their uh, premier access. And, you know, I was saying yesterday about in movies now, there's basically nothing they can't do. And th- I was just looking. They sent out a list of, um, they say fun facts, but it's really just stats about the movie. They had 20 locations they filmed at. 4,000 weapons were made for the film. They had a cast, you know, the regular cast is involved in the fight scenes. They had to have an army of like hundreds and hundreds of extras as well. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So obviously, check out Mulan tomorrow on Disney+. Plus. And it's uh, for subscribers who unlock Premier Access. All right. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. So we've been talking about, obviously, the passing of Tom Seaver, the baseball story yesterday with the suspensions being handed down. And the poll question, which is up for on uh, Twitter. Every day it's there, people. Whether Whether you avoid it or not, that's up to you. I can just, I'm not the boss of you, as I point out all the time. Which of the following do you think is the most ridiculous? Well, the Kirk Cousins comments on COVID-19, where he said that uh, if he dies of COVID-19, he dies. 
Uh, the second one was the baseball suspensions, which we already run down. Then you have the foul call on Jimmy Butler at the end of the um, Heat and Bucks game last night. And then, of course, Scott Foster's call in the Oklahoma City and the Houston game last night. And Houston able to, uh, to take that game seven. So they are moving on to uh, face off against the Lakers. So yesterday we talked about the Bucks and Heat. Let's start there, I guess. And everyone was saying the Bucks are in trouble. The Heat are designed to beat the Bucks. And I pointed out game ones are generally overblown. Game ones in a playoffs, especially in the NBA, because there's so much adjustments that are made from game to game. But really, in any playoff series you have, you know, people always assume, well, if this happened in this game, well, it's going to happen the same way. No, each game is its own entity, and there's not a lot of carryover from one game to the next. But I pointed out at the time, game twos are a little different. You have to show me in game two. You have to prove it. If you won game one, you got to go out there and prove it in game two. Otherwise, it's just you're right back to one and one. But look at that. The Heat did. <laughs> and you'd have to say, if you're you know watching last night, and if you have a rooting interest, if you don't, game two, far more disturbing for Milwaukee. Basically, you know, game one, Jimmy Butler goes off, scores 40 points. Last night, didn't do a whole lot. You know, he had the free throws to win it, but it was not some monster game. What did he finish with, like 12 points, 13 points? Now, basically, everyone was in double figures for the Heat, so it was a much more balanced attack. And Miami did a whole bunch down the stretch of this game, like the final minute of this game, to give the Bucks a chance to win a game, they really had no business winning. Butler gets trapped, throws the ball up for grabs under his basket. Um, they had a, an inbounds pass. I think it was Drogic. Just tossed the ball up in the air. Butler was able to get it, but like just barely. So luckily for the Heat, they got that awful foul call at the end, and the game did not go to overtime that sent Butler to the line. I did not think the officiating was great in that game. I will say this. Obviously, the Bucks are in trouble. They were not really playing all that great before the shutdown came. They have not really played great at any point in the bubble. Uh, and I think it's pretty clear they're not winning a title as currently constituted. But to not be coming out of the East this year, boy, that's really an indictment of, of what they've put together there. Uh, but again, they were not playing all that great before the shutdown. I don't think the series is over yet. I mean... They had to work for everything last night, and they almost did pull it out. They almost did pull it out, but obviously now Game 3 is a must-win for Milwaukee. They have to figure out a way. It just seems like right now with the way the, the Heat are deploying their defense to basically make anyone but Giannis beat them, it's effective. And the Bucks are now going to have to adjust and adapt, and whether or not they're able to do that with the cast of characters that they have outside of Giannis is uh, going to be very difficult. Uh, as for Giannis, I mean, the talk of where he's going, especially, I'm sure all the, con- I mean, imagine the, all the conversations that Giannis has had in the bubble about going to this team and going to that team. Boy, oh boy, that talk is not going to go away. Uh, and you can say all you want about Giannis being the MVP and whether or not he wins the MVP this year. Uh, you really, what you see is the MVP in the NBA should not be a regular season award. The NBA is different in that stars win in the NBA. Stars in baseball, you have to have a team around you. You can't just be Mike Trout. I mean, Mike Trout doesn't even go to the playoffs, never mind, uh, you know, go deep into the playoffs or win titles. The NFL is the same way. Hockey's the same way. 
if, if anything, the NBA is the one sport where the MVP award, I'm not saying it has to be based on the playoffs, but the playoffs have to be a factor because you can't be the MVP of the league in any season and not be able to take, off, to take, uh, take over playoff games down the stretch. And Giannis, you know, credit to the Heat because they're not allowing him to beat them. But you, can't, you have to find ways where you are the impetus to getting your team over the top, even if it's not scoring, if it's facilitating. I mean, you watch that fourth quarter. Every time Giannis got the ball in his hands, there was a double team, and the Bucks never really were able to get a basket. I mean, I, what did they finish with last night? One twelve or something like that. I mean, the amount, the 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 work that it took for them to get those points. Uh, it just doesn't seem like there's anybody outside. You know, Giannis is not exactly stepping up offensively because of the job the Heat are doing on him, and there's not really anybody that can uh, step up along with him. Especially the fact that the Heat, every single possession is contested. Every single every single time there's a pass, whoever gets that pass, at least last night in the fourth quarter, the defense was contesting them. So uh, credit to the Heat, up two games to none. And it looks like the Eastern Conference playoffs could be, uh, at least in this round, in this second round, could be uh, pretty quick with the Celtics being up 2-0 on the Raptors and now the Heat being up 2-0 on the Bucks. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So if I had a vote, if I had a vote in the poll question today, well, I mean, I would probably, I would have to say, lean towards the suspensions of the Rays and the Yankees because not one of the three makes any sense. But since I am, you know, Yankee-centric, I think maybe to avoid that, I might go with the Jimmy Butler foul call. Because there's no, I mean, you can't, uh, it wasn't a foul. It wasn't a foul at any real point of the game. And it's certainly not in the, you know, final seconds of a playoff game. You know, unless you're just the biggest Miami Heat fan in the world, I think you would have preferred to watch overtime last night rather than have a foul call with no time left on the clock sending Jimmy Butler to the foul line on a call that was um, it's just ridiculous. Especially when you consider some of the contact in other possessions down the stretch. Now, the only part of that that I think the Heat were the better team last night, and I think they deserved to win, but that foul call was ridiculous. So if I had one other choice, if I had a, you know, remove the Yankees from the equation, I would go with the Jimmy Butler foul call. 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's go out to Sal in Aberdeen. Sal, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon. How you doing? I'm good. Okay, a uh, little Tom Seaver talk. Um, I was 11 when he came up in 67, and he right away became my guy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And he was just, as, he, as they say, he was terrific. He was the franchise. He was the guy the Mets turned to when they needed that tough win. Um, I don't know if you know the backstory of how he came to the Mets. Um, I don't. In 1965, the Dodgers drafted him 10th round, mm-hmm. and he wanted a $70,000 bonus. And actually, the, the scout who scouted him was Tom Lasorda, and they refused it. They say, no, we're not going to sign you the $70,000. It's crazy. So he went back to USC and started the spring season. The, Do- uh, the Braves came to him. And offered him forty thousand, and he agreed on that. But there was a rule back then saying that you couldn't draft the college player if their spring season or their baseball season started. So they couldn't do it. But Tom Seaver's father said that he was going to sue baseball over that. So right away they they created a special lottery to draft him. Any team could have drafted him. It came down to three teams: the Indians. 
the Phillies and the Mets, and he came to the Mets, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would think that I, look it, it's been a while since you know he was on the mound and you know we have a I like to think you know a younger audience it's trending younger all the time uh, I would think that Tom Seaver is more responsible for making Met fans Met fans than anybody in the franchises I mean obviously he's the best Met of all time but you know when he's a homegrown guy and really the the linchpin in getting the organization turned around from where they were in the early 60s to where they would go by 69 i i would think that he's probably more responsible than any person single person to uh making met fans met fans yeah absolutely and that's why you know the statue should have been there when he became a whole. Oh my God! Yeah, how did I forget that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that. Uh, what a good point by you, Sal. Yeah, I mean the the, the Wilpons who said, "Oh yeah, you know," when the news came out, was it last year or maybe two years ago now that he had been suffering from dementia? You know, the Mets put out that uh, we're going to build this statue. I, I don't know what happened to the statue because uh, it was ridiculous right. that it took that long to begin with, and uh, you know the Wilpons will have sold the team, and uh, this that statue still will be unveiled. I mean that that right now they should change. They should call it City Field at a Seaver Stadium or something like that because there's from from what I see there's not going to be another player to come by like like him because like you said he he transformed that team from you know a laughing stock into something serious that people had to really say hey you know this team is we got to worry about this team now. Yep, absolutely. All right, Sal, thanks for the call. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. That's always been a a criticism of the Wilpons, a criticism of uh, City Field since it opened, that it didn't feel like uh, the, the, the Mets' history was revered in the way that it should. Now, I, you know, Mets don't have as much history as, uh, you know, the Yankees or uh, as other teams but that doesn't mean that it should be a lot easier to find the, the guys to, 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 to highlight, right? I mean, Seaver's the first guy to have his number retired by the organization. So, you know, the fact that it was the, 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 you know, the rotunda and all this stuff, they just didn't have a whole lot of uh, memory. It was almost like the, the, the Wilpons wanted to own the, the, the Brooklyn Dodgers rather than the Mets. So hopefully when Steve Cohen takes over, and at some point he's going to take, right? I mean, have we gotten any news on Is there any update on this at all? This exclusive window, um, how long does it take here? But whenever he does take over, let's, he's got a lot of things to fix. Talent evaluation, front office, all these different things, players, spending. Let's hope that one of the things that he fixes is that the Mets' history for Met fans is a little bit more front and center than it was under the Wilpons. <laughs> Reaching back now for everything he has. One ball and two strikes. He wants that 19th strikeout to tie the all-time Major League record for strikeouts in a nine-inning game. Here's the one-two pitch. Check him out. Seaver has 19 strikeouts. Tied the Major League record. The game is over. Brody's out there congratulating him. The Mets are out there congratulating him. What a day for Tom Seaver. He struck out 19 San Diego Padres to tie the all-time major league record for strikeouts in a nine-inning game. He has set a new strikeout record for strikeouts in a day game. The record was 18 held by Sandy Koufax. 
All right, so there you go, Bob Murphy. Doesn't say, I mean, when did Bob Murphy start broadcasting Met games? Doesn't sound like full Bob Murphy that I remember as a kid. But Bob Murphy, the call, Tom Seaver's 19 strikeout game, your moment of inspiration for this Thursday morning. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York. So our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter at Gordon Damer, is uh, which of the following is the most ridiculous? Had a little, had, I actually had more than uh, enough uh, options uh, yesterday, but that uh, is our day in life in 2020. But the ones we went with for the most ridiculous, Kirk Cousins' comments on COVID-19, the baseball suspensions for the Rays and Yankees, which n- none of the three makes any sense to me, Jimmy Butler, the foul call at the end of the game that sent him to the line and sealed the win for the Heat, or Scott Foster's call in the Oklahoma City uh, in the Rockets game, Rockets winning last night, to uh, move on to face off against the Lakers. Uh, so I've not really kind of detailed what Kirk Cousins' comments were, but I'm sure by now you have heard them. But in case you haven't, here is Kirk Cousins speaking on the 10 questions with Kyle Brandt podcast. For me personally, if you're just talking, no one else can get the virus. What is your concern? If you could get it, I've, I would say I'm, I'm going to go about my daily life. If I get it, I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to let nature do its course, uh, survival of the fittest kind of an approach and just say, yeah. if it knocks me out, it knocks me out. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Uh, you know, even if I die, if I die, I die. I kind of have peace about that. So that's, that's really where I fall on it. So my opinion, you know, wearing a mask and is really about being respectful to other people. It really has nothing to do with my own personal, personal thoughts. Okay. So anytime you say, if I die, I die, people are going to hear that and really kind of disregard every other. And and that was the headline, right? Like if you saw the story and as we do headlines on Wednesdays in this day and age, a lot of times people don't read the stories. They just see the headlines and they see, if I die, I die. That does come across as someone who is not taking something it's serious, not very seriously. But if you listen to both the, the, the full comments there and as well, he kind of clarified things yesterday. If we could all come together to simply say what Kirk Cousins has said, which is he wants to respect other people's concerns And that he personally is not, you know, he's a young guy. He's a healthy guy. He doesn't have any pre-existing health conditions. That he is going about his daily life, trying, I think, to do it in a safe way. He said that he has no, you know, he's wearing the mask. He's not uh, going out and, uh, you know, holding parties and stuff like that. He's taking it seriously. He's just saying that in his own personal life, that it's not something that is going to make him stay in his house for six months at a time. And if we could just simply get most people to, you know, agree with what he is saying, I think that we would, you know, he's not being a jerk about it. He's not, uh, he's not going to the, the local Walmart or the lo- local Publix. I don't know what they have in Minnesota, but whatever they have in Minnesota uh, and, and screaming about his constitutional rights and this thing and that thing and making citizens arrests. So I get that people, when they see, you know, if I get it, if I die, I die, that comment, that's going to get a lot of attention. But uh, if, you, if you actually listen to the full comment and actually uh, see the clarification that he had yesterday, I don't think that the, uh, the Kirk Cousins comments are as warranted out of uh, as the other three in the poll question today, which is up on Twitter at Gordon Damer. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, so a couple other things we have to run down here before we get back to the phones. Uh, the Kirk Cousins we did 
Um, the Regal Tumble. The Regal Tumble, already a lot of interest in the Regal Tumble. And the Regal Tumble, in case you're wondering, is our Royal Rumble format. We don't want to use the Royal Rumble name. There might be some legal, and we don't have any lawyers on Brian, you're not a lawyer, right? No, I'm not. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. I never asked you. I didn't think so, but uh, I'm not a lawyer, obviously. So we will go with the Regal Tumble name to find the greatest TV show of all time. I uh, calculated... All the nominees that have been sent to me, and you could do that on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. And I would say use the hashtag Regal Tumble, because that way yes. I'll definitely be able to see it. Use the hashtag Regal Tumble. I was trying and, to do that for the rewatchable movie bracket, but it didn't work out. All but right, well, This we'll time try, we're going to push it, Regal right, Tumble. We'll do it at the start. That yeah. usually is a better way to get people to follow the rules, to do it at the start rather than, you know, sometimes we come up with things midway through and we're like, oh, duh, we should have done that from the beginning. So use the hashtag Regal Tumble. We were about up to about, I would say, 60 nominees. Some, I think, probably will not make the cut. I know what I said at the beginning about every reasonable nominee will be included, but people are including some unreasonable nominees. So it has to be, to my judgment, what is a reasonable nominee and which isn't. I would say the vast majority are reasonable. The problem is, as I said, we can't have this thing go on for six months at a time. People might start to lose interest after a while. Uh, and we've had a lot of good ones, good TV shows, that have still not been included. So um, we have to get all the, the nominees and, and, and narrow it down. I don't know what the – what's the number for the uh, the Royal Rumble? The Royal it Rumble? It is 30. Yeah. I was about to ask 30, you. okay. Uh, do you want to have I think 30? we can do more than 30. But, yeah. but when they had, like, special occasions, sometimes they have 40 or 50. Right. So Yeah, I think, I think 50 is a good working number. Uh, I think that that would take, you know, it take about a month and a half to do it. Uh, and, and you'll probably come up with some tough decisions somewhere along the way. I think once you get past 50, it might be a little bit difficult. But uh, that that's uh, something that is on the uh, slate. So if you want to uh, nominate one of the TV shows, certainly head to Twitter, at Gordon Damer, and use the hashtag Regal Tumble. Also, somebody, you know, somebody brought up the other day, and I, I, I'm sorry I forgot the caller's name, about TV show theme songs. And, you know, that is something that we will, Ooh. I think we might have to hit on down the road. Now, that's very difficult to compile because you could leave out one, you know, I don't know if there's a list of the best TV. I guess the problem. I know Three's Companies right? is always on that list. Three Companies. The first one that jumps to mind is Good Times. Good, Good Times, Times has one of the great all-time theme shows uh, of all time. But, I you could know, name you so could many right of, now. Oh, Fresh Prince I mean, could be so one. So many. By the way, What's Fresh that? Prince is my nominee. Fresh for, Prince, that's an excellent one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That is so my that nominee might be for Regal we have Tumble. To, uh, yes, and we have for might, the best TV show. We will wait until people have forgotten that uh, a caller brought it up, and then I will take full credit for it down the road, as if this is a brilliant idea of my own. So um, that's how I'll probably operate that one. But uh, yeah, the Regal Tumble, please uh, come up with your nominees. I don't know when we're going to start it. Maybe we'll give it to the end of this month, and then maybe start it. Uh, at the start of October. That, that's the, uh, the soft target opening as of right now. All right, a couple other things about um, sports-related, not TV show-related. A, Leonard Fournette goes to the Buccaneers, so the Tampa bandwagon, which is already pretty full up, is, uh, is I'm sure more people, oh my gosh, they got Leonard Fournette too. I don't know that it necessarily really improves all that much. To me, the, uh, the, the destination, if Leonard Fournette was looking to maximize his opportunity and go someplace I don't you know the 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 for one year 
and then be able to kind of hit it rich. To me, New England would have been the place. But, okay, he goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, we'll see what impact that has. I mean, they have more than enough guys down there um, trying to feed the ball to wide receivers, running backs, tight I mean, a, a, a multitude of options there. I did see this one great stat, and this really could, for all the talent that they have, kind of derail everything. Tom Brady is, is 43. At some point this year, he will be playing more games as a 43-year-old. I don't know when it is. It might be week five, week six, might be midseason. He will play more games this year as a 43-year-old than everyone else combined in NFL history. That is a crazy stat. Now, there's not that big, I get it. There's not that many 43-year-olds that play. But to think that he will be playing more games than every other 43-year-old combined in NFL history, that's kind of a crazy piece of information. And it just shows, I mean, does kind of make you question? Does it make you question? Kind of makes me question. Not going to say what it makes me question, but you know what it makes me question. It's got to make you question a little bit too. 43-year-old, he is going to play, you know, what are they putting in that avocado ice cream? That's what I want to know. Also, Donovan Mitchell, the stories about him uh, getting his uh, max deal with the Utah Jazz. You see uh, various things pop up. Well, you know what, Nick fans? The dream of uh, Donovan Mitchell is uh, going by the board. That was never a real dream. That was, that was a pipe dream. That was not based in any reality that any of us actually... I mean, maybe if you live inside the Matrix, that might have been reality. That, that was not any real... Uh, possibility of happening wouldn't it be great if all of a sudden Donovan why would Donovan Mitchell after taking the Jazz to a game seven this year and, and with a bright future where he why would he I know he's from New York but there's been plenty of guys who have been from New York that don't want to come back here and play for the Knicks so anybody who had some sort of slight idea that Donovan I mean well for a team that passed him up on the draft that was your chance to get Donovan Mitchell and uh, you want another way? We've been talking this morning about, obviously, the big news that came yesterday on the passing of Tom Seaver at the age of 75. Uh, and uh, certainly a case of you, you never forget your first love. Everybody knows the first player in whatever their favorite sport is that made you fall in love with that sport. And uh, for a lot of Met fans, that first love that uh, will never be touched, of course, is Tom Seaver. And uh, at a time where the team, you know, basically lost all the time, he was that ray of hope. So uh, the news yesterday, and obviously you don't need me to run down all the accomplishments of uh, Tom Seaver. We all know them. Rookie of the year, Cy Youngs, wins 20 games five times, 300 wins. You don't I, – I think that there's a, a good portion of Met fans that are Met fans now that never got to see Tom Seaver pitch. But the, uh, the beauty of Tom Seaver was you never had to see him pitch to know his greatness. It's all there in uh, black and white. We always talk about, you know, Hall of Fame players. You got to have a lot of, uh, you know, black ink on baseball reference. He's got a ton of black ink. Led the league in wins, led the league in uh, strikeouts a bunch of times. And uh, the nickname, The Franchise, which uh, still stands up. And uh, obviously that has been a big story this morning. And I said that I would think that even now, even after not pitching for the Mets for, for forever, uh, that he is probably still more responsible, maybe not directly, but indirectly, making fathers into Met fans that eventually would pass that down to their sons to become Met fans, that Tom Seaver more responsible 
for making Met fans Met fans than anyone else in uh, franchise history. So if you want someone to blame, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, obviously condolences to Tom Seaver's family, condolences to all the uh, fans out there uh, with the news of uh, Tom Seaver's passing. Obviously, we've also talked about the uh, the Yankees. Have to do it every single day. Got to click that ticker every single day. And uh, talked about the uh, inept performance by the Yankees, the lifeless performance by the Yankees last night against the Rays, which was uh, disappointing, right? After the suspensions come down and they are laughable, which tells you that they're baseball suspensions. When was the last time a baseball suspension came down? And you said to yourself, you know what? That makes sense. I can understand that. That one makes sense. None of the three. They suspended three guys for the brouhaha on Tuesday. And none of the three suspensions make any sense whatsoever from Araldus Chapman getting three games. Aaron Boone, what did Aaron Boone do? I guess Chapman, you say, all right, he's definitely throwing at him. you got to suspend him for something. Okay, three games, whatever. Aaron Boone, that makes no sense. And the fact that Kevin Cash got only one, only one after his team, that's his team's move. They do it all the time. They did it in that game on Tuesday. To think that you can say, what uh, Kevin Cash came into the press conference and said in a night where his team threw at a guy who hit two home runs and then came into the press conference and said, you know what? We did it before and we'll do it again. That's what he essentially said. And he only get, he gets a one game suspension. The same as Aaron Boone is, uh, is absolutely ridiculous and ridiculous is the focus of the poll question, which is up for today on Twitter at Gordon Damer. So you can certainly vote on that there about which of the four is the most ridiculous, the playoffs, NBA stuff last night. And then, of course, tonight, my Islanders, they're back in action. We'll see if they can – I hope they close it out tonight. After being up 3-1, you never want to go to a Game 7. And, uh, you know, the the beauty of the Islanders is they're never out of a game. But the other side of it, the flip side of that, is they never blow out a team either. So hopefully after the, the, the overtime loss, I think they're unbeaten in the games following overtime losses in the playoffs this year. So hopefully tonight they close it out. And uh, we will have that game right here on uh, 98.7 FM ESPN New York starting at 630. So that's going to do it for today. Uh, and just in the nick of time before who knows what else happens. But we'll be back tomorrow starting at 5 a.m. We'll see you then. Please vote on the poll question. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, and the podcast will be up later this morning. But we'll see you tomorrow at 5. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.